For Wednesday, December 29th, it's the early word from the WNYC Newsroom. Hi there, I'm Isaac Davy Aronson with a look at this morning's top news, the day ahead, and reporting highlights from the WNYC News team. Coming up, we look back on 2010 in New York City with WNYC's Year in Sound. We start with this morning's top headlines just ahead. The Early Word is a production of WNYC Radio. You can support this podcast by making a donation at WNYC.org, where you can also get the latest updates on this morning's headlines on the news page. Many side streets in the outer boroughs are still covered in snow, and residents are fuming at the city's slow cleanup response to the storm. Louisa Ocean lives in Midwood in Brooklyn and spent her morning yesterday digging out her car and then shoveling a path from her street onto one of the main streets in her neighborhood. We called 311. They said the line is busy. They put us on hold for like two hours. And then we give up, you know. We try to do our own. Even some city workers are complaining about the conditions on the streets. Rodney Riddick is a firefighter who also lives in Midwood. I'm really shocked at the city. I really am. I'm disappointed. I always pride it myself that I lived in a city that was really, really good on responses with emergencies. City council members were barraged with phone calls from irate voters who were stranded for a second day on their snow-covered blocks. WNYC's Bob Henley says the council is pledging hearings next month. Council Speaker Christine Quinn says she doesn't understand why there wasn't a declaration of a snow emergency in the city as there was in New Jersey. That could have helped keep only essential traffic on the roads. Mayor Bloomberg says declaring a snow emergency only would have caused more chaos. The snow emergency would require everybody on the main streets to move their car. And the question is, to where? And all it would have done is put an awful lot more cars stuck in the middle of roads, which would have made plowing even more difficult. But Quinn says that leaves her perplexed. Well, that makes me ask, why do we have snow emergency rules that don't work in a snow emergency? Maybe we, in fact, need to look at the way we define snow emergency and the rules we put in place around snow emergencies and bring them up to date. Earlier this week, the city's emergency management commissioner said only the governor could declare a snow emergency. But an official at the state Homeland Security office says mayors do have that power. For WNYC, I'm Bob Henley. The blizzards caused its share of problems for the city's hospitals, with transportation problems making it difficult for both patients and staff to get to them. Dr. Stephen Silver of New York Methodist in Brooklyn said that much of his staff slept at the hospital and worked double shifts. He said he saw cases of frostbite, fractures from slips and falls, and injuries related to shoveling snow. And the other thing that we see are people who are coming in uh, because they can't get their necessary services on the outside, like uh, outpatient dialysis centers. As the snow clears and the stranded people, cars and ambulances are once again on the go, hospitals are expecting a surge of new patients. All transit agencies say they'll be operating normally today, although Long Island Railroad still has suspensions on a couple lines and a handful of subway lines have minor service interruptions. New York area airports, meanwhile, are slowly groaning back to life, but New Yorkers trying to get home will still be stranded all over the country for days. WNYC's Elsa Chang is stuck in San Francisco and has been talking to travelers there. Some New Yorkers stuck in California say it's for the better. They didn't pack the right clothes anyway to arrive home to snowdrifts and unplowed streets. But Vera Farrell from Long Island says she's bummed to miss the historic snowstorm. I have people waiting for me at home, uh, friends, family, and I have a little cat that's all by itself. 
All but four flights from San Francisco to New York were canceled Monday, and they started to resume Tuesday, but only after nearly six-hour delays to JFK. And there's a ripple effect for travelers heading elsewhere. Some passengers going to Austin were looking at wait times of more than a week. A few travelers said they were glad to have more time in California. But then it started raining in the Bay Area on Tuesday. For WNYC, I'm Elsa Chang. Some passengers who finally did reach JFK yesterday then had to spend up to 10 hours on the tarmac because of a shortage of available gates. Meanwhile, snowed-in streets have made life difficult for those who make deliveries and those who rely on them. WNYC's Kathleen Horan reports on a slowdown in food service in Park Slope. Restaurants along 5th, 6th, and 7th Avenues reopened yesterday, but they had to make do with fewer supplies because they had trouble receiving their food shipments. And the staple of life for New Yorkers, front door delivery of pizza or pad thai, has been slow or non-existent. Delivery workers who rely on bikes had to go on foot or, if possible, by car. Idris Aliyev works at Istanbul Park, where he says 70% of their business is from deliveries. The snow forced them to scale that back, but he says customers have been generous. They gave good tips. They did like $30, $40 delivery, and they gave us like $10 Supermarkets such as Union Market say they finally received shipments of vegetables, dry goods, and fish, but they showed up several hours later than usual. For WNYC, I'm Kathleen Horn. Starting early next week, the early word will be taking a hiatus so we can reboot and revamp the podcast and bring you something even better in the new year. Check the podcast page at our website for updates. And if there's anything you'd like to hear in a new and improved early word, let us know. Go to WNYC.org and send us an email. But before the year 2010 fades out with the melting snow, we're taking a few moments to think about the events of the past 12 months in something we call the year in sound. Here in the New York area, we've had intense political squabbles, a continued economic downturn, transit hikes, a tornado, and, of course, a blizzard. The Year in Sound is produced by WNYC's Beth Fertig and Richard Yeh, with audio engineer Wayne Schulmeister. I'm Isaac Davey Aronson, and as you're about to hear, 2010 started with a cataclysmic event overseas that affected thousands of New Yorkers. The earthquake has caused major damage in the Port-au-Prince area as well as in uh, Jacmel, the National Palace, the Cathedral, the Ministry of Justice and other important government offices. Every single person who called wants to know really if that area was uh, impacted, uh, trying to find out if their family uh, have been spared. I called my stepmother, but, she, she, but then she called back. Um, then, but I didn't really heard of my... My, my mom. Although a Taliban bomb maker has claimed on the internet that the car bomb was placed in Times Square to avenge the deaths of Mujahideen fighters, we have no evidence to support this claim. It's hard to remember a hate crime in the city of New York that is more disgusting and sickening than what happened in the Bronx. There's a lot of gays. They walk around hand in hand. I see them all the time. They're making it seem like a hate crime because it was, obviously, but I think that was just, like, random. It has become increasingly clear to me in the last few days that I cannot run for office and try to manage the state's business at the same time. And right now, New York State needs a leader who can devote full time to this service. I, say you've been meeting your man, babe. I think history would show 
that a different standard has been used in this case, where I did not curse out the speaker, I have not tried to have sex with minors, I did not steal any money, I tried to help uh, City College. They are going to expiate all its sins by making Hiram Montserrat the scapegoat. Mr. Espada and his son will obviously have their day in court, but it's a powerful indictment. I do have abiding faith in the justice system and the people that decide these matters, and I look forward to a full and complete vindication in court. Thank you very much. God bless you. Working in Albany is just like watching Saturday Night Live. There are a lot of characters, it's funny for 10 minutes, and then you just want it to be over. <laughs> If we've learned anything tonight, it's that New Yorkers are as mad as hell. They're disgusted, and they are right. And what they are saying today is they want reform, and they want that government in Albany changed. I mean, I'm a home health aide. I have to get around. I'm going to pay, what, a hundred something dollars? I have a teenager. I mean, I think MTA is not looking into the hardship of life. I want to be a billionaire. New York City OTB doesn't have any money. It's bankrupt. It's out of cash. We're talking about 1,000 families who have now lost their source of income, their sole source of income. Being a chancellor of the school system that changed my own life, Truly has been an extraordinary experience. Kathy Black has not demonstrated any indication throughout her entire adult life of an interest in public education. I don't know everything about every agency that I supervise. My job is to pick the right people, make get them here, keep them working together, giving them the support they need, and then they use their expertise. That's her job in the Department of Education. The mayor has said right from the beginning in our first conversation, what I need is a very experienced manager who's used to complex organizations, who's a decision maker, and is a very good people person, and he chose me. Any reasonable viewing of this situation where you've got the imam who's got ties to a radical organization who has made anti-American comments. This particular center will create a counter momentum against extremism because it will amplify the voices of moderate Muslims which have gotten drowned out over the years by the extremists. For the sake of those weekly who are discovering cancer in their lungs and in their gastrointestinal tracts, because they rushed to help us, don't turn your back on them. In the old days, it was if you passed, oh my God, if you passed the health inspection, we're fine, blah, blah, blah. But these days, it's no longer like that. If the health department rated one of your favorite restaurants with a C, would you go to that restaurant? No. How about a B? Uh, it depends on the food. <laughs> we'll completely strip the bed. We'll take the pillows off, the suitcases, the, the covers, we'll check all around the seams of our mattresses. You can find them in the back of the headboard. It was like chaos out there, like a bomb hit forward sales. All of our used cars pretty much were hit. The windows shattered. It was a total disaster. Don't know why there's no sun up in the sky, stormy weather. This year's National Book Award for nonfiction goes to Patti Smith. Just kids.
when I was a clerk at Scribner's Bookstore. I dreamed of having a book of my own, of writing one that I could put on the shelf. But there are 60 other pianos around the city. That's least what it said in that article that you sent me that told me about this whole project in the first place. I like Spider-Man, but I love the theater, and, you know, you root for it, because uh, this much risk with such great talent, you know, you want everything to go their way. But they got work to do. People always say, you know, J.D. Salinger or Holden Caulfield wondered, and I wonder, too, where do they go? And I said, well, there are ducks in Central Park all the time in the winter. You can see them on any water body. She created a family here of people that would constantly come in to see Elaine. People were afraid of her, and that was kind of silly. She was like a mythic creature and character. I love the snow. The city's so quiet and peaceful, and you can walk in the street, and it's like a blanket of quietness. I think it's really nice in the city when it snows. 